Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 17 to chapter 2 to verse 7. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Wonderful. Well, we'll uh, draw our attention in now, right now. And uh, the title today uh, for our, our talk, on the, as we continue our series on Revelation, is a question. Is Jesus our first love? Is Jesus the one that we've come to know? Is he truly our first love? A question that the church in Ephesus was facing. And uh, maybe you're familiar with the concept of falling in love. Uh, That romantic feeling of of spending time with someone special. Uh, Those sparks start to fly. And you probably know the story. Uh, You want to spend time with that person. It's nice. It's lovely, uh, it's fun, the opportunity to, to spend life uh, doing things together now, uh, a little bit exciting as that romance starts to take place, uh, falling in love. Maybe you've fallen in love and can relate to this. Uh, but as time goes on, that initial first love, it can get a little bit strained and uh, the ongoing act of love comes in and that initial heartbeat and and, and joy can turn to a little bit of struggle uh, as those things fall apart and broken relationships happen. People get hurt. That uh, wonderful love at first comes to something so different. That love actually can turn to to hate and that relationship is broken and severed. It happens. It happens around us. Uh, And it's not only in a... uh, in a boyfriend-girlfriend or a a man and a woman relationship. Uh, Of course, there's also falling in love when we get a new addition to the family, a new brother or sister or a new child, 
a new grandchild. There's so much potential in this new life. And we love this new child. We, we welcome them in. It's so good when we have a new addition to the family. and We love them. It's so good. But be a mum for a moment and have one, two, three weeks of sleep deprivation. And all of a sudden, that first love, it's, uh, it starts to, to, to dissipate a little bit. Or as those children start to grow up and they do something really uh, disobedient, really uh, annoying to us as parents, it is hard and that first love, it can dissipate. Or what about brothers and sisters? That first love maybe you had for this new little brother or sister that came into your family and then, oh, they can get under our skin like no one else. And that love, that first love we have, it dissipates. It happens in so many ways because relationships are key. It's all about love, but they can be broken so easy, so easily. And when it comes to following Jesus, what we're all about here at Coro Baptist Church, when we think about Christianity, is it about rules? No. Is it about religion and having to do all these things? No. It's about a relationship. It's about us knowing the God of all creation. It's about us loving God. God's loved us. He's shown to him, Himself to us in His Son, Jesus. And so what we're called into is a relationship, and it's beautiful. It's a wonderful picture about who God is and what we're called into now. And in that beautiful relationship, the picture is clear, is that Jesus is great. He is greater than all. Jesus is God's Son. Last week we saw that Jesus is the risen one and His greatness is like no other. And it was affirmed in our reading today. Jesus is great. His greatness is seen in the fact that He is the first and the last, something you might have even seen on the stage here. Because Jesus is before all things and He continues forever. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the living one. He was once dead, but now He's alive. And He's alive forever and ever. Jesus alone holds the keys to death. Having defeated death, he actually holds authority over death. That's incredible when we think about it. If we think about our own situation, because we face death, who would we turn to to get victory over death? The one with the keys? Absolutely, Jesus Christ. And the picture we saw in our passage is that Jesus actually walks amongst the churches. What a blessing to know that Jesus is present with us. And He Jesus, in His greatness, holds the angels in His hands. In His hands. That's how significant Jesus is above His creation, that even the angels are created by Him for His purposes. And so all this imagery that we see, it's a reminder for us to take Jesus seriously in our life. He's the one with the keys over death. He's the one that is great and significant. He's the one that we should be thankful to. Many in our world, however, sadly, view Jesus as irrelevant, like He doesn't really matter. But we know that Jesus is great. Let us remember Him and take Him seriously. And what we see in this passage is John actually getting a calling 
Jesus calls John into action. And I think that's something for us to, to listen to as well. That as Jesus, the risen one, speaks to John, he doesn't judge him and condemn him. He invites him into a calling to do something. The very start of the reading, we saw him bowing down before Jesus. He was afraid. He was in awe of Jesus' greatness. It says even as though he was dead, he was before him. But what does Jesus do? He reaches out and touches him. An actual touch from the risen Jesus. And he says those comforting words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus inviting John to, to be with him and in his presence. And he calls him. He says, write therefore what you have seen, what is now and, will not and what will take place. We see that, that, that John is, is, call, is called in to, to, to what Jesus would have him do. Even though these are going to be some hard words, some of the words are going to be judgment against the churches. There's going to be words to judge people of the world. And yet, John is called to put Jesus first and to live that doubt. And that's exactly what he does. I find it interesting that there's a similar link here between Isaiah's experience before God's. What does Isaiah do when he gets a calling from God and he goes up to the throne room and he, he falls down before the greatness of God's? He realizes that he's a man of unclean lips and he needs to be cleansed. And then he is given a commission, a very difficult task, a calling to, to serve God's. The reality is, is that God speaks and we are to listen. God's words involve a calling. As Jesus speaks to us, God calls us to Him, to find love in Him. As we hear Jesus speaking, it's a call for us to worship, a call to glorify Him. As we hear Jesus, it's a call to action, to do in this world, to love. The words of Jesus are a calling to impact our hearts. To follow. It's a little bit like a parent, a loving parent calling to their children, come. It's exactly what we hear when we see the Word of God. It's a calling to come into that relationship, a calling to, to embrace in what would our loving Father would have us do. And what is beautiful in this passage is a reminder that God's voice, His Word is among us. Sometimes we forget that God's Word is, it's God speaking to us. And it's amongst us. We already saw that Jesus was walking amongst the churches. God's Spirit speaks into our hearts. That's affirmed in this passage. Jesus is giving a message to the churches. All of it is God's Word amongst the church. We are blessed because God's Word is amongst us. We see that in the fact, in the, very, in the start of this letter, there are seven letters that are, are written in this passage. And it starts with John being given these words, to the angel of the church in Ephesus writes. I think this is remarkable that here's John, a human, who's having a, an encounter with Jesus. He's given words to write to an angel. I think that's, a, it just blows my mind to think, what's going on here? Uh, and of course, that, that message is going to go to the church. But it's a reminder that, that Jesus reveals how he chooses and his word comes to us. And sometimes that's even fresh news to the angels. It's incredible that when God speaks, when, when Jesus speaks, it is significance. 
It is something to behold. And of course, if God's Word is amongst us, we're to put our listening ears on. We're to listen. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We are to hear God's Spirit, God's voice, Jesus Himself amongst us. God's Word is present and we are to listen. This is affirming. This is as we meet as a church, God speaks. His Word is here. I find that so encouraging. As we gather, it's not all about people up the front. It's not about the the priest or the pastor or whoever is conducting things. It's about God. It's about His Word dwelling here amongst us. It's about us listening. God is speaking. Are you, are we listening? If it's all about relationship, then it takes two. We know that. If we've been blessed, if God's Word is here, if His Spirit is speaking into us, it's about us as a church listening to our Lord. It's about opening up our hearts, opening up our minds to actually receive from God. It's about us hearing and being blessed. God is good and He gives good gifts to His children. And so God speaks, we hear, we listen, and it is good. God is at work amongst us that is so affirming. And so this is, uh, there is some background or some information that's relevant to what's happening in these seven letters to the churches. You can see a picture here. They were real churches at a real point in time. Um, It's modern day Turkey. And so Ephesus is the first letter that we're, we're sort of starting to look at today. These were real churches facing real issues just after Jesus had gone to heaven. And some people say, well, this book is full of imagery. Maybe this is just a picture of the churches through the ages. I don't really see that. I don't think that if you look around today that there is much similarity between the churches in China, the churches in Korea, the churches in Russia, the churches in Africa, the churches in the Western nations. There is so much divergence about what's taking place around this world. I don't see a picture of the churches through the ages. What I see is real churches facing real issues, hearing the voice of God. And it's for us to hear that voice and to respond in some way, to learn from it. And this first letter, the letter that we've seen, it it, it asks the most important question, the, the letter to the church of Ephesus. It asks that question that we started with. Is Jesus our first love? As a church, is Jesus truly our first love? This, of course, is linked to the greatest commandment. Anyone here know what the greatest commandment is? (laughs) You know it. You've got it. Exactly. But we can get so distracted by this world, can't we? And we can lose our first love. I've brought something, a surprise, You could say I'm revealing something because we're revealing, God's revealing stuff through the book of Revelation. And what it is, is a chocolate heart for you, for you to reflect over this question, is Jesus our first love? So David, can you distribute those for you? Last week it was my shirt with our call on it. This week it's a chocolate for you. And so as you peel it and eat it, you get to reflect is Jesus 
truly our first love. Mm, good. Stop, reflect. Mm. Because it, we can be distracted. Uh, something that was our first love can turn into a strained relationship. And you might say, well, the church at Ephesus, were they doing good? Were they doing good things? Well, there's item after item after item of things that they were doing good. They were working hard. They had perseverance. They were not tolerating wicked people. And the town of Ephesus was full of people who were not doing the right thing. They were in their Greek worship. There was, there's all sorts of pictures. There's a, a huge temple in the, the town of Ephesus to the, the god of, of Artemis, I think it is. What's that? Artemis. Or Diana. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there was, it's, it's one of the ancient wonders of the world. There is no doubt that Greek and Roman thought was relevant. It was invading this town all the time. And so it was hard to stand strong. They were enduring hardships for the name of Jesus. There were false apostles that they were testing. But in all of that, they weren't growing, they weren't growing weary and they hated the practice of the Nicolaitans who, from my understanding, were Gnostics. They were people who believed that the body was bad, that the soul was good and what they had to do was get released from this body and then their soul would be released to enjoy the good things. But of course, that opposes the way of Jesus because it's not anything based on in what Jesus has done and the, the resurrection that gives us a bodily resurrec resurrection. And so, all these things were good. And you think, well, that's good enough, isn't it? This church looks great. They're, they're holding on to the truth. They look like they're living a good moral lifestyle. They're enduring hardships for Jesus. Surely, that is enough. But clearly it is not, because they have a heavy rebuke from Jesus. From verse 4, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. These are strong words. The lampstand is the imagery of the church. So the imagery here is that if they don't change, their whole church is going to be taken away. And what have they gone wrong? In their busyness of doing that which looks so good, they've lost their first love. The word forsaken, we could say, is another word for abandoned. They've abandoned their first love. Probably more like the Pharisees in, in the gospel who were all about doing outwardly and yet they had no love for God. And of course in here there is no evidence that they were loving those outside the church. They were sinful and they needed to change. They had lost their first love and so that relationship was breaking and it was bad news. I think uh, in my engineering background, I like flowcharts, I was thinking a bit like this. Here is a church, people who had come to believe in Jesus, 
They had come to love Jesus and experience that first love. They were working so hard at keeping the truth. But in all that doing, they moved on from loving Jesus and in fact it led them to abandoning their first love. I just let it go. And so they were actually in a really bad place. The movement moved them away from Jesus and loving Him with that true love that we should have for God. And you could say, well, could that happen to us today? Could that happen to our church? Could we lose our love of Jesus Christ? Is it possible? Yeah. We could become Pharisees. We could start to be all about protecting our doctrines at the, at, at the sake of everything. And we could be all about making rules that we need to follow. And so really, we just turn into Pharisees ourselves. Or we could also say, well, thank you, Jesus. I was saved by your work of grace, your kindness, everything you've done. But now we're going to continue in faith by doing hard work. It's about us, our works now, maintaining the faith. We're doing really well. And so it's us and we're going to get some pride in what we've done. But in all these situations, I'm sure it's clear to see that we can step away from loving Jesus. So you tell me, what does it look like for someone to have a first love encounter with Jesus? What does it look like for someone or a church or people when they first encounter Jesus? What does their life look like? Any ideas? You can call out. Yeah, an inner joy, a liveness to them. Yep, unselfish. Yep, a peace. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 a, there's, you want to share what you have found. Yep, absolutely. Okay. We need a first love of Jesus. That's what my answer is, David. They've got it wrong. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Where is our identity? And that chocolate we ate, some people might love chocolate more than they love Jesus. <laughs> Very good. So look, I've got a whole list of things that what first love might look like. Our first love. We're rejoicing in Jesus. We're worshipping. We're actually working on this relationship. Maybe you don't think about your faith like that, but that's exactly what we're doing. When, when, when someone comes to faith, they're all about wanting to know more about God and, and appreciate Him and just be with God. That, that, that love spark has, has come towards God. And, and, and people, as children of God, as a church, it can happen as well, that we just get God's love and we want to be there with Him. We spend time as a church when we love Jesus, that first love, actually seeking Jesus above all else. People praying. People reading the Bible and letting it hit our hearts. Stopping and being still before God. Meeting together with other Christians, these are what new believers look like. Depending on Jesus, listening to his voice amongst us, 
doing what he actually asks of us. That idea of, of repentance and keep saying sorry to God, valuing Jesus more than anything else. And that love for others, wanting to share the good news of Jesus, as Noah's just said, that is a picture, I think, of some things. And I'm sure you can add to that. We, we know what that first love looks like. And yet, along the journey, that relationship can get a bit strained with God and it becomes less about a heart-loving connection with God and it becomes more about doing and protecting and more about what we're doing than it is about that relationship. So may we focus on that relationship, may we focus on that first love. As we do that, there are beautiful promises and there was one at the end of the letter. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Love Jesus, get that love connection right, have that relationship with God. We're blessed now, but we're blessed forever. A beautiful teacher, the tree of life. Where was the tree of life firstly in the Bible? In the Garden of Eden. And we will be eating fruit from God's tree of life. That picture in God's paradise, a beautiful garden in God's presence or, or, or a new way when God makes everything new. Is that going to be good? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's pray. Our Lord God, help us to have a first love for you. It is so easy to get distracted by the things of this world and, and to forsake our first love to step away and be all about doing. Help us to, to cherish you more than anything else. Help us to value you. Help us to, to value that relationship and to live for your glory above all else. Lord, we're sorry for when we get distracted by this world. We're sorry when we get full of pride or become like the Pharisees. Help us, Lord, to change. We're sorry. We desire you. We desire more of your love. Build us up in your ways, we ask, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.